Last week, we looked at the uh, unity and realignment, and I brought you up to about 1917 from the free conferences on up. We saw that the general council kind of fell apart, and they formed the synodical conference. Um, as it was getting going and all the conservatives kind of uh, together with it. Uh, but it didn't take long before a controversy, we call it the election controversy or the predestination, predestinarian controversy, uh, pretty well broke the thing apart. Um, I mentioned it and then kind of went on and I said, okay, today we're going to go back and see if we can uh, explain uh, what happened with it. Due to some technical difficulties, I'm about 10 minutes late, and I could probably use an extra 100 minutes. So we're going to see. I had a plan, and we'll see if it's going to work. And God left. Um, and God laughed, right. So... Uh, Okay, overall, overview. Here's the overview. In time, what happened? Well, our Savior was conceived, uh, became true, not only was he true God, but he became true man, true God and true man. He was born, he suffered was crucified, died, buried, rose again, ascended up into heaven. He did that in uh, time. What about for us? Well, we who live in time, he had the gospel, the good news about Jesus and what he had done for us. He had it preached to us telling us that our sins uh, have been atoned for and through faith in Jesus Christ, uh, you can be saved. And so he preaches this good news of forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. That gospel calls us to be saved. Uh, that gospel uh, creates faith in us. Then he enlightens us with his gifts. He begins to teach us all these things that he has done for us and is doing for us. And it gives us a new understanding. He sanctifies us by means of that same gospel and makes us holy. And he continues to keep us in the faith. That's what he does. When we begin to talk about election or predestination, um, we're talking about what happened before time, not in time, but before time, before the creation of the world. So, uh, our Savior Jesus, even before God created the heavens and the earth, he was already foreordained. He was chosen, um, it was already determined by the Father that he would send his Son, even before the world was created, it says before the foundation of the world, 1 Peter 1.20. So that's before time, outside of time, if you will. In the same way, and to put it for us, what God did in time, calling us by the gospel, saving us, bringing us to salvation, he had already, before time began, he had elected us. That's where we get the word eternal election. Or just like an election, you, you choose, you make a vote. He cho chose us to eternal life. Before ever the world, he chose us in him before, and here's the words again, before the foundation of the world. And so we call this eternal election. Uh, we call this predestination. That's what I'm describing. That's what we're going to take a look at. Before I take a look at that and kind of the, uh, the questions that go with it, uh, I wish you to 
take a look at your blue sheet. Uh, the top part of this blue sheet. Oh, that's not all my... Uh, let's see if I can pull that up. Um... got a diagram. Oh, I've got it here. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> All right. There are three ways that the various groups within Christianity try to describe our salvation. The first one is Arminian, uh, not the nation, but Jacob Arminius taught this. Uh, we call this synergistic. The word uh, ergo is the word for work. Sin is the word for with, S-Y-N, so working together. Here is the idea uh, for this Arminian or synergistic. The idea is this. Jesus came and uh, uh, died for the sins of the world. He provided this uh, salvation for us. And now God goes and offers it to people. And based upon what they do, if they accept it, then they are saved. If they reject his gift, then they are damned. So when you ask the question, how come some are saved and some are damned, you can answer it quite quickly. It's all based upon what the person does. They either accepted it or they rejected it. They describe this in different ways. You may have heard somebody say, well, you need to make a decision for Jesus. That's one way of describing that particular act. Or, you need to welcome him into your heart. That's another way that they say it. Or, you need to stop resisting him. In all of these ways, with this Arminian, and usually in our our areas, you know, it, it, it used to be that the big thing was, I'm a free will Christian, free will Baptist, I'm free will. The idea was is that I can make that, that decision. Um, if you grew up under Billy Graham, Billy Graham was Arminian. And so what he did was, he had revivals, he had all of this, it was all designed so that you would... Make a decision for Jesus. Now, if... I'm just going to make it just a little difficult. We know that you're saved by faith. So, many of these that talk about faith, they will say, Oh yes, faith is an act of the will. Oh, so now faith becomes what I do, my decision, which determines whether I'm saved or not. Got that? There's the first one. Okay. Second. 
Calvinism. John Calvin described salvation in this way. He said that God, before the creation of the world, chose some people to be saved, and before the creation of the world, he chose some people to be damned. He just picks it out. Um, and if he picks you to be saved, then you are. If he picks you to be damned, then you're damned. Well, what if God picks you to be saved, or to be damned, and you want to be set tough? That's just the way it is. He predestined some people to be saved, and he predestined some people to be damned. He chose them to be that way. And so, you know, you, you might say he decided um, not much different from uh, the, the, on the playground. A, B, A, B, A. All the A's go over here. All the B's go over here. That's it. Patty. You don't get saved. It's just as simple as that, but, um, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's not what... That's not what the Bible is. So it's like, how can you... How can you just... Okay, he just decided ahead of God, you know. So, I just... So, you know, I mean, see, you kind of squirm just a little bit and kind of go, well, um... Again, I mean, neither one of these are what the scriptures teach. I mean, I can go to scriptural passages that, that show that that is not correct, but I'm trying to give you kind of the big overview just at this point. I'm going to get you to the scriptural thing. You know, we can, I think we need to address some of the questions where we kind of go, well, okay, so how does this work in practice? You know, uh, um, or uh, does this provide comfort for me? Or how do I know that I'm saved if I'm Arminian or Calvin? I mean, there's a lot of questions that come with this, and you're exactly right. Eric? I say, this is a very boiled down. Oh, I'm, 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 yeah, I'm making this as simple as possible. If you talk to a Calvinist or an Arminian, they're not going to tell you that. This is what their beliefs boil down to. Um, it, you know, it all depends. You're right. There, there's lots of nuances. Um, you know, it's interesting when... Uh, I'm, I'm going to say, when I was growing up, everyone was Arminian that I knew. I don't think I knew a Calvinist. Okay? I can tell you that it's become more popular. I mean, and that kind of sounds crazy. But in a lot of these megachurches, non-denominational or whatever, um, they've kind of moved away from Arminian. And many of them, that, that, that in the Protestant uh, arena... Um, if you're conservative and take God's word seriously, you've become a Calvinist. Only the the the, the regular folks still still do it, but we we study the secret knowledge of God, and now we've got Calvinism. And so they, that that seems to be a little more theological. They would say, Olitha. Okay, so what's the once saved, always saved? Oh, very good. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, actually, that's kind of... Um, uh, it doesn't actually... That, that's a different doctrine. It doesn't actually... It's not like a fourth setup. It's not a different thing. The one saved, always saved, actually comes... For those who teach this... They were still a little bit concerned <laughs> that uh, uh, if I if I'm if I made a decision, am I still in that decision? Or did you know every time I I sinned, uh, um, so I made a decision for Jesus, and then when I realized I sinned, it's okay. I was backsliding, but as long as I'm facing this way, everything's good. I'm still saved. But I'm just I I was backsliding. The problem is, is that 
sooner or later you realize that you don't just make white lies, you're actually a rotten sinner. And at that point you kind of go, oh, so do I need to, you know, so every three or four years or seven years or whatever, you better go forward and make another decision for Jesus. And then you can trust in that for a while. But the longer you get away from your decision, the less you're sure that you are. Don't worry, Aletha. Once saved, always saved. If you made a decision once, we're good. So that's where that one came from. Um, it's because this didn't give you enough comfort. Um, However, a true Calvinism, a true Calvinist, will say the same thing, because once you're, if you're saved, you can't change it. You've always been saved, and if you're damned, you can't change it. Is that what the Presbyterian Church of today teaches? Um, the Presbyterian oh. Church officially teaches <laughs> Calvinism, double predestination. Because I was having a riding but in the car, but they me. seldom do with my grandson the other day, and he said, what do the Presbyterians believe? I said, well, I've never really gone to a Presbyterian church, but I understand that they teach uh, double predestination. And, you know, I was explaining to him what double predestination is. You know, you've been chosen to go And then, but the interesting thing was then, he said, well, you know, he said, some, some teach that um, people are too depraved to, make, to decide to follow Jesus. And I said, well, that's what we Lutherans believe. I said, um, said, that's the reason we have the problem with saying that people accept Jesus. The only thing we can do is is rejecting. I said, that faith has to be there and that has to come from God. I said, that comes nothing from us. All right, so let me give you the third one. Here's what the scriptures teach. The scriptures do not uh, teach that it's up to you to accept or reject. They also don't teach a double predestination. This line that is drawn between salvation and damnation, um, the scriptures teach one thing on one side of the line and one thing on the other side of the line. Hmm. So, the scriptures do teach that God, before the creation of the world, uh, elected us, chose believers to be saved, in time, he works that out through the preaching of the gospel, the creating of faith, the keeping us in the true faith. We do believe in a single predestination or eternal election. God's choosing us causes us to be saved. Eternal election. However, on this side of the line... When uh, we hear that someone is damned, God did not choose them. He didn't want them to be damned at all. There is no election to damnation at all. In fact, what we find is that God desires to save, but if someone is not saved, the scriptures say that the man rejected. Hmm. So we've got kind of we've got three things going on uh, that uh, we've got to uphold with the scriptures, but when we get done, it the scriptural presentation is not logical. I'll tell you what I mean. So up on the synergistic, they maintain. That God wants all men to be saved. And that's scripture. The scripture says that God desires all to be saved and wants them to come to a knowledge of the truth. But in the end, they reject that man is sinful and unclean. They say that he still has his own free will and is able to choose the good or choose the evil. He still is independent. And they deny that. And the second thing that this one denies is is if you're saved, who gets all the credit? God does in the scriptures. But in this one, it's all up to me. I mean, I know they don't say that, but in the end, you ought to say, you know, all thanks be to me that I made a decision for Jesus, because that's, that's how I know I'm saved. Um, with Calvinism, 
They have to deny off the beginning that God wants all men to be saved. The scriptures say that. But Calvinism says, yeah, God's not really serious. He says that, but he doesn't mean it because he chose, he knew it was going to, he created them so he could send them to hell. Really? So now, we, you know, God doesn't, in fact, that uh, uh, you will have true Calvinists will say, uh, uh, no, you know, Jesus shed his blood and no blood was lost on the damned. You go, what? Yeah, he only died for the ones who would later believe. He didn't die for those who didn't. So it's what's called a limited atonement, not universal. Um, the other thing with this is, uh, um, he doesn't really want all to be saved. Uh, when it comes down to, you know, you can say, all glory be to God that I'm saved. But you can also say, all glory be to God that I'm damned. Because God's will's working out. Um, so, how do you know if you're saved? And maybe that's where Patty's, you know, kind of going, you know, what? I, what's this? Well, so, do you have people in the Presbyterian church that, that are there and go, you know, and you say, what are you doing here? You go, well... You know, I kind of like to be saved, but God chose me for damnation, so I'm just kind of hanging around with you guys. I mean, so how many? So how many people do you think that believe in double predestination think they're going to hell? Zero. Yeah. So that's kind of you go really okay. So how did you know this? You know, were you able to look? into the secret knowledge of God. Could you pull back the, the curtain and look and go, oh yeah, God shows me. No, you can't. Can you find your name in Revelation chapter 20 verse? No, you can't. So how do you know? Do they trust in the good stuff that happens to you in this world? You know, you're raised. And... So you look at yourself and you kind of say, well, I am here at church. And I am, you know, I'm giving money, and I stopped and helped the guy, you know, with his flat tire. And so, well, you know, I, I kind of think that I'm probably saved. So, what am I trust? Did I do what the lepers did? Did I do missionary work? That's it. Well, that would help me too if I did missionary work. Then I know. No, no, no. I mean, if you think. I mean, if I think there's no help for her, there is. Then why am I going to go send a missionary out? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and suicide counseling. All right, wait, 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 wait. Well, I'll come back to you. <laughs> you guys are piling on here. You guys don't like the Calvinists. You like being Arminians, though. That kind of makes you the boss. But Calvinism kind of gets in the way of you being the boss. You're right, it kind of gets in the way of missionary activity, doesn't it? Yeah. We're not really that concerned because really... It's already decided. Those yeah. people are probably already damned yeah. 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 You know, and if I go... Yeah. So why do I waste my money and my time? You're right. You're right. Sorry, Rachel. Um, but my point was is that how? where is the assurance? The assurance simply comes in my good works. Eric? If that makes sense as to why a lot of the... Arminian churches, if you are theological, you become Calvinist because they, they're the ones that ask the question. They go, oh, well, how do you know that you're saved then? Right. And then the Calvinists and the Arminian church turn around and go, oh, because of all of my good works. Right, right. So then you're just right back at Arminianism. So it pulls you right back in. Um, I think what has happened over time is the church growth movement was huge, and they decided that with the church growth movement, we're going to attract people and, and, and you know, this old way of doing things. What do you guys follow? Liturgy? Yeah, nobody does that. Nobody likes that. You want to have a rock band. Everybody likes a rock band. Okay? It makes you tap your foot and you get excited and when you walk away, you know, man, that was really good. Um, yeah, exactly. You wave your hands, you got to like that. We tried it all. We said, you know what? They don't like, um, they don't like crucifixes and religious pictures. You know, so what do we do? We put a coffee shop in the front. We paved the parking lot. We, you know, we gave away Kroger gift cards. You know, whatever you did. Arminian, what they realized was, what happened? We just moved people from one church to another. Nobody really got saved. 
And in the end, we all realized, you know what? I've been selling Jesus like Amway, and I finally realized it's bankrupt. So why don't we try Calvinism? Okay, okay, we, we, I got to get back to the thing. You, I, thought you, I thought you got the spirit. Did you want to? It's hard to tell. It doesn't matter what ideology it is, whether it's Arminianism or communism. No matter how many rules you make, you can't make people good. And if you try to make people good by giving them a carrot, by right. hitting them with a stick, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So, that's got Scripturally speaking, though, we've got this unusual thing in which the diagram is this. Uh, if you're Arminian, the source of your salvation is you made a decision. The source of your salvation is man. What's the reason that some are saved and others not? We always know it's man. You can answer that question. You just didn't accept him. You're the fault. Or you're the... If you're Calvinist, God gets the answer on both sides. If you follow the scriptures, if you're saved, God gets all the credit. And if you're damned, you get all the credit. That's what the scriptures teach. Um, we know that we're sinful and unclean. We know that if we're saved, all glory be to God, because I couldn't do this. I was dead in my transgressions and sins. Dead people don't do anything unless God, through his gospel, changes them. Um, so, we, if you can answer the question, why are some saved and others not? Synergists can. Calvinists can. Lutherans can't answer that question because we because the scriptures don't give us one it gives us one answer on one side and one on the other um, if saved God gets all the credit if damn man gets all the credit that's what we're left with so um, reason is no good so what is reason is reason. no good the human reason cannot God has presented to us but our human reason wants to say either one God you're lying you know, you're holding back. You're not telling me the truth. Right. Or, I can't get it. Um, so, this is the way that... Um, <laughs> these are the ways that salvation is explained. But I've not yet actually walked you through why... I, I, the Bible does teach eternal election. And you need to say, why does it do this? And how does it do this? Let me walk you through it. If you take a look at your blue sheet at the very front, first of all, there is a distinction between foreknowledge and eternal election. Sometimes people go, oh, you're just saying that God looked ahead. He knew ahead of time. He looked ahead and saw that I was going to make a decision for Jesus. And then he said, yeah, I'll choose you. No, that's not what we're saying. We're not talking. God does know all things. And he knows ahead of time. He has perfect foreknowledge. When we describe eternal election, we're describing something different than foreknowledge. In fact, it's more than foreknowledge. Foreknowledge includes what God knows about... Uh, um, uh, God knows... Uh, over both the godly and the wicked. He knows what the godly will do. He knows what the wicked will do. He knows who's going to be saved. Who knows who's not going to be saved. He knows that's foreknowledge. That's everything. When we talk about uh, God knows all things, that's foreknowledge. Eternal election is the thing that is the cause of our being saved. It's God electing, choosing before the creation of the world. But this only extends over the godly. There is no eternal election of the damned. Of those, you know, God didn't say, yeah, I really want to send people to hell, I think I'll make some so I can do that. There is none of that. Next page. Uh, eternal election. As we look into this, we are not to try to find the secret counsel of God. That is, you can't, if you can't find it in the Bible, you can't start going, well, I'm going to look for, you know, I'm going to try to find something where I can, it says, no, not at all. 
But the Word of God always leads us to Christ. And He is the book of life in whom are written uh, all that are elected. Uh, This Christ always calls sinners to Himself uh, through, through the Word. And so we're not to stop our ears and neglect and despise the Word. We're supposed to go to the Word uh, for our salvation. We are not to judge from our human reason. We're not to look at the law of God and our keeping of it, imperfect as it is, even there to see. But we are to always go to the Gospel. And it's from the Gospel concerning Christ that we know that this is the way that God saves us in time. And so, how does God do this? Well, there's an order. The first thing that God does as he directs us to his word is he teaches us the law which leads us to repentance, to a sorrow over our sins, uh, to knowledge of sins. He then preaches to us the gospel that creates faith in Christ. With faith in Christ, uh, there is a, a new life of hearing the word that comes about. And he does all of this before he begins to tell us about this eternal election, this mysterious thing that God said happened before uh, a time. Provided that if someone comes to me and says, Pastor, I want to know if I'm saved, I don't go to election. I go to repentance, knowledge of sin, about the gospel and faith in Christ, um, you know, the the life that falls, I lead them to these first. Only after someone has come to believe in Christ do we get to the teaching of eternal election. This is what the scriptures teach. Um, Thus far, a Christian should occupy himself in meditation with the article concerning the eternal election of God, as it has been revealed in the Word, which presents to us Christ as the book of life, which he opened and reveals to us by the preaching of the gospel. It's written in Romans 8.30, Whom he did predestinate, them also he called. In him we are to seek the eternal election of the Father. In him, that would be in Christ who has determined his eternal divine counsel that he would save no one except those who know his son Christ and truly believe on him. So here's this. If you say, so I'm, I've heard about this eternal election. And, and you say, I want to know about this. And I say, all right, tell me, do you believe in Christ? You, know, you confess your sins, and do you trust in Christ? Well, all those who are eternally elected are brought to faith in Christ. Once you have been brought to faith in Christ, you might be going, well, I, I know that I was a rotten sinner. I know I couldn't do anything of myself. Now he's brought me to this. I'm concerned about my salvation. And I would say, guess what? God chose you before the creation of the world. And in time, he began to work this out. And you know he's going to finish it. Because what he's determined, he will work out completely. He doesn't do it halfway. And so this is the God who is doing this. Our thoughts are to be banished entirely uh, from the mind. What should they imagine? As they proceed not from God, but from the suggestion of the evil flow, where he attempts to weaken us, entirely to remove this consolation we have in this doctrine. Namely, what does it say? That we know that it's out of pure grace, without any merit of our own, we have been elected in Christ to eternal life. No one can pluck us out of his hand. As he has not only promised this gracious election with mere words, he's also certified it with an oath. He's sealed it with his holy sacraments which can and ought to call to mind in our most severe temptations that we take comfort in them and therewith quench the fiery darts of the devil. So for those who are believing in Christ but concerned that um, they may not be saved, to, to let, you know, not only did God do this in time, he, he worked this he chose you before that. It's a very comforting doctrine. 
but it's a doctrine that's only comforting for believers. If you are not there, you hear of eternal election, you begin to say, well, I'm going to try to look behind the curtain. I'm going to look you know, the secret knowledge of God. I'm going to try to find my... No, no, no. This is just the way that God did it. So, um, this is what the, uh, the scriptures teach. Um, something else. Questions? Comments? Now let's deal with some of those. Probably the, the thing that is so strong in here is no anybody who does not believe in Christ, watch out. Yes. There is no comfort outside of faith in Christ. So when you try to kind of get this outside of outside of faith in Christ, you, you there there is no comfort in the scriptures and, and this teaching too lets us know that. The problem good. The problem with Calvinism, Arminian too, but Arminian, there is comfort outside of Christ because I made a decision. With Calvinism, here's the problem. Where is the comfort of your salvation? You know, there is a choice. Granted, it's God, but it's double predestination. And what is the basis? It's not in Christ. It's actually kind of before Christ. I mean, it, it's kind of this God who, and the way the theologians describe this as a uh, naked or nude choice. In other words, it, it, it doesn't go back to Christ. It's simply because I picked you. Um, it's it's no different from a marble out of a bag. So Christ really has nothing to do with salvation. That's the problem with 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 Calvinism. I, I mean, at the hardest level, um, you don't even get a sticker to show which one you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? I voted, or I voted. Right. Tony Prosca, and then I'll get. Yeah, at the Calvinist, that can look at Scripture and say, "Oh boy." There's a very few that are chosen. Like all of those that bound Baal, they all go their heads and those that they don't, somebody else takes their heads off, and but only a few are saved. Hmm. That's odds are not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Eric? Uh, the one you've got highlighted there, he also called, In Him We Are Deceived. The eternal election of the Father. Can you explain that a little bit further? Yes. I'm trying to decide in my brain how much I can get this done in, in ten minutes because that pushes us to the election controversy. Okay, and, and and hits us at the heart of the election controversy is is this. Let me start off with this. For the scriptures, election, God's electing, causes our salvation. Okay? Um, God's choosing, he creates faith, and he does all of this. If your action in Arminian, your making decision, causes God to save you, um, that's that's a different cause, isn't it? Um, so one has it in God. Your faith doesn't cause God to save you. Yeah, let me go back to that. Right? Now, if you're Arminian, they would say that that's right. They would say, you chose, and then God went, oh, you chose? I'll save you. You didn't choose? I won't save you. They would say, but for them, what is faith? It's the thing you create yourself. It's the thing that you do. So you are the one, and God looks to see what you do, and your action, your merit, your whatever you did, causes salvation. Not so. We say it's actually the other way around, that God's election creates faith. isn't something that we, it's not an act of our will, it's the receiving means by which he gives us salvation. 
It's the receiving means. So we don't speak about faith as, as my good work. By with it, we say, oh, uh, a faith, it, it is the gift of God, Ephesians 2. God gave me the gift of faith through the preaching of the gospel. Yeah, really good. So often we want to go, okay, yeah, what's the cause of this? Um, we know that God always works his election through Christ, through the gospel, through means, so that uh, if we're talking about election, it's always in Christ. So that's the right teaching. Let me deal with a couple things and then uh, uh, explain the election controversy. Well, the problem is the way that's worded. In him, we seek the eternal election of the Father. Where do we find that? Notice the last full sentence in the second yellow thing, where do we find that? But has also certified it, that is, God has certified it with an oath and a seal. Or, and sealed it with the sacraments. Where do we find God on earth? In the word and the sacraments. And so the answer to the question, how do we find this election? It's in the Word and the sacraments. And when we begin to look anywhere else, uh, what do they talk about up there? Uh, be, being determined by the evil one. That, that, that put, those things, put those thoughts out of your mind because that's the evil one tempting you. Pilate. Yeah, my brain's <laughs> going. <laughs> Um, so, if, say, you don't have the theory right, but you do believe, you've heard the word, you've accepted the word, you believe you're a sinner, and you believe in God and the Trinity, mm-hmm. and you want forgiveness, and you believe in the resurrection, but you believe that it's on you, and, I mean, at what point does your faith, is not the real faith, even though you have, how much can you get wrong and still be right? <laughs> 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 Um, so if if this is uh, let me just say if this is the first time you've heard me teach about eternal election and predestination um, I did in fact some of this uh, that I pulled out of here was from our book of Concord study um, I've done this yeah, several times before if this is the first time through this kind of thing take some time to you know, do it through second thing is if it does not comfort you, you've got it wrong. Okay, It's designed to be a comfort for believers. So that you believe, you know all this, and then you go, oh good. Um, God is in control, and he's been working this out even before time began. Uh, wonderful. It, it needs to comfort. If it doesn't, we'll just keep teaching it to, to, to you see how that kind of goes together. Um, if you're oblivious to this, that's okay too. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say, where there is faith in Christ, uh, um, you know, this is the last doctrine. I mean, you really got to get all the other doctrines kind of lined out before you get to this one and go, okay, that's right. You're going to go back and you kind of go, oh, I guess I really didn't know that I was that simple. Oh, I guess I really didn't know that God was in charge of it. Oh, I guess I didn't really understand that somebody's going to die. I mean, you really got to get all these together. If you get eternal election and it doesn't comfort, we probably got one of the other ones quite not right. Um, the comforting thing is that uh, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Um, the reality is is that um, we've all got stuff wrong, Violet. And, you know, at every point. I mean, you know, I, uh, when I study a, the Bible for a sermon... You know, and as I go through, you know, there's times when I go, oh my, you know, point out my sin again, and point out my, and, and you go, okay, 
lead me in the way, and he does that, and he's graciously doing that, and sometimes he does it, you know, through suffering and, and uh, uh, temptation and other, you know, through that. So, um, no, God, God I, I'm going to hold to the word, and it's going to continue to show me those those things. Um, I have one quick thing out here, comment. When a Christian looks at all of the other different religions in the world and all of those people you are dealing with that believe in all of these different religions in the world, how do they deal with the fact of looking at them and saying, <laughs> you're going to hell <laughs> against what we're saying here about belief in Christ when theirs is all against Buddha and you name it, it's out there. Yeah, um, yeah, other religions have, yeah, I don't, a little too far for you. That's above our pay grade. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's what happened. I'm not going to get to the full explanation, um, and I don't know that it is that important. It's important historically because it broke up the Synodical Conference, and, and it did just not come back to it. Um, after the Book of Concord and several of the men that even wrote our Book of Concord, as they were dealing with Calvinism, and it was a real concern, and there were those, there, were, there weren't so many Arminius as there were Calvinists at that point, uh, that taught this double predestination, in order to oppose them, and especially this kind of idea that uh, God's absolute choosing, I choose you, I don't choose you, I choose you, I don't choose you, you know, and it's just, that's just the way it is, you have to do it. They did explain um, our election, and they did it with the phrase, intuitu fide. That Latin phrase, called in view of faith. It was not because they thought that Somehow faith was your decision by which you did something and then God said, yeah, I'll, you know, uh, reward you for, for that. But they wanted it to know that Calvinism, who had this choosing apart and outside of Christ, to say, no, no, God always chooses us in faith with Christ. And so that was the idea. The Lutheran theologians spoke this way from the time of the close of the Book of Concord. It didn't actually, wasn't, it's not, the phrase is not actually in the Book of Concord, but, but again, right after that, they often used this to describe this, to go against Calvinism. It was continued to be used without controversy until Walther. Walther looked at this and said, this is, is, is not good. Because, he said, this, he thought it was a kind of something in man that would make God save us because we did something. And he decided, no, it shouldn't be used that way. Well, as soon as Walter started to say, uh, intuitive fide is, is, is bad, the rest of the Lutherans went, wait a minute. That phrase was used to combat Calvinism. And if you are, don't like that phrase, you must be a... So that's what they accused Walther of. Because he rejected the phrase that the Lutherans had been using for 300 years. Um, by the time the controversy comes around, the... The Norwegians, and I think I mentioned the Madison Agreement, uh, they were dividing up, they were arguing, they were all over it, and, and uh, their Norwegians, which actually had this in like their catechism and some things like this, came out with uh, a document, the Madison Agreement, that said, you know what, you can use this phrase, that's one way of speaking, and you know, the Lutheran theologians did for a long time. Um, you're, you can you can speak about it apart from that. You can do it either way. And so maybe I mentioned last time the Madison Agreement said, "Yeah, we think both those ways are fine," and said it shouldn't be divisive of fellowship. 
At that time, most of them rejected that. Didn't like it. Um, I'm going to say at this time, uh, this is from something called the Lutheran Cyclopedia. It's actually produced by the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. Um, and it happens to be, you know, kind of where, where they go. Now, the Missouri Senate actually has come down on the side of Wather saying uh, this, you know, should, should not be used. This particular reference in the Lutheran Cyclopedia actually goes through and says, you know what? This can rightly be understood or it can wrongly be understood. Walther said, I don't like it because if it's wrongly understood, it does this. And we kind of go, well, okay. Um, I think it's a needless controversy. And that's what happened. Um, it, and so, did it change things? Yes. Is it still an issue today? Doesn't appear to be. Um, I'll go back to this. Again, I needed to wrap it up kind of quickly. That gives you a little bit of an overview uh, with it. The question is this. When you use this phrase, are you saying that God looked ahead, saw you had faith, and then he said, now I'll save you, like you did the faith? Or is it simply a way of saying, when God elects, he does it through faith in Christ. That's what he does. Um, it's an instrumental means, not a cause. Those are the two ways to look at it. Okay, that gives us just a little bit. I've given you um, uh, the blue sheet that has from our formula Concord. Uh, I think that's, that's helpful to walk through. Uh, the pink sheet explains the kind of controversy itself. We'll come back, touch on that if you have questions, uh, then we'll move forward. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you have sent us your Son, and your Son died for the sins of the entire world. You have told us that it is your desire that all men be saved and come to that knowledge which you are teaching through your word. Uh, we give thanks to you uh, that you have created faith in our hearts. Uh, for that, we are truly thankful, for it is of, of no work of ours. Uh, help us that we might give glory and thanks to you. Uh, for your graciousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.